It's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Scratched you up pretty bad, didn't they? I'll bring you some antiseptic later. How about you bring me an ottoman? Why you at it, I could use a blow dry. Hey! You got yourself a fish biscuit. How'd you do that? I figured out your complicated gizmos, that's how. Only took the bears two hours. How many of them were there? Welcome to another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, as we begin our trek into the third season of the series. I'm one of your hosts, Kristen Howe. And I'm your other host, Ben Beck. Uh, As Kristen said, this week we are beginning our trek into Lost Season 3, starting it all off with the season premiere, A Tale of Two Cities. And as you can see, I started this week because I am the best. (laughs) So we decided to start season three off correctly. I'm going to <laughs> just mimic a comment I made last week. Not going to fight you on this. I love it. Just keep uh, saying not that. Gonna, That's fine. Not going to fight you on this. Not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> not going to do it. No, it, it's fun that you're that you're you're taking over for a little while. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I just have to get used to it. It's been a while since I've actually like lead hosted a podcast so i've taken a massive break from podcasting and you've let me kind of back backseat drive for the past couple of months it's been wonderful i feel like i've been on vacation <laughs> <laughs> well well you know i i threw it at you and i figured we'll go back and forth now for you know for a while this way we each get a little break every once in a while yeah but you like to lead stuff you're like mr lead the charge guy I, I do, the but I don't, I don't mind turning it over to other people every once in a while. No, I hey, I expect it. Because as we said earlier, I'm the best. <laughs> well, and and that's it. And I know a majority of our listeners agree with you. So uh, I'm giving everybody what they want. Nah. No, I like us <laughs> as a team. I, I was telling uh, the kids earlier today, I said, I have to record later tonight. And they're like, you said you were done. And I said, and I said, yeah, but this is just me hanging out with Mr. Ben. And you guys like Mr. Ben. And they're like, yeah, we like Mr. Ben. And so I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, you know, it, it works out that, um, well, because they were my roller coaster. Well, yeah, they, we were roller coaster buddies. Well, somebody had to be. Because <laughs> you wouldn't do it. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't do it at all. No, I let my six-year-old go right on ahead of me. <laughs> I'm such and, a good mom. Um. Anyways, let's get back yeah, into it. Yeah, let's so, dive into it. Here we are. We're at season three. And just a little bit uh, about our podcast. If you're a first-time listener of our podcast, we usually- Where you been? Yeah, oh, where sorry. you been? <laughs> It's been three seasons. Uh, We're kicking off season three, A Tale of Two Cities. We do have spoilers. Um, We are a rewatch podcast, so we are going to assume that you are also um, in rewatch mode and that you've seen the whole series. If you haven't, uh, 
If you haven't seen the whole series, please be prepared for spoilers. But if you don't care about spoilers or you have seen the show, then come along for this fantastic journey. Uh, podcasts are released every Friday unless, you know, something horrible goes wrong and then we decide to either skip a week or put it out on Friday night. I don't know. Many yeah, things have had, happened. Well, for, the, <laughs> for the most part, for the last year and a couple odd weeks we've been doing this, it's it's been every Friday, so... Yeah, even when we have had to get up very early Friday morning and, re- and record, we've had it out on Friday. <laughs> yes, we've had it out on Friday. <laughs> um, so with that, we are going to go into the episode, A Tale of Two Cities. Ben, would you like to kick it off? Hey, that's a new one. I get to kick it off this time. Yay. Um, yeah, it's, and you know what? I want to kick it off the way the season kicked it off, too. And let's talk about that opening. Okay, good, because that's where I wanted to start. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I really I really don't know if there's any other place that we could start when it comes to that, because I mean, first off, we get the opening of the eye and that's something that's kind of been a signature of this series, more so in season one than in season two. I know the, the pilot opened with, you know, with Jack's eye opening and, you know, we got a couple episodes in season one with the episode opening with somebody's eye. I don't think we got it as much in season two, but, you know, we're right back to what we know in season three with the eye opening and this time being Juliet's eye, who we meet for the first time in this opening. I don't think we get her name for a little further. Not until about halfway through, I'd I'd say when she enters the um, the Hydra Aquarium. Yeah, but there's, man, this opening, it's another one of those things like we in season two, we opened with Desmond in the hatch. So as a viewer, you're Make like, okay. Make your own kind of music. Oh, that was what? both that was both season openers too, the song. No, this was um, downtown. You're right. <laughs> I'm so glad you're uh, here. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so, uh, well, but the funny thing is too, that I was singing, make your own kind of music. I had that stuck in my head more than downtown. Even after watching this premiere, I still had make your own kind of music because of the correlation and the, the, the reflection of the two, because it, when you think about it, the season one or the season two premiere and the season three premiere happen at the same time, timeline wise. Right. No, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about that. Season two premiere. See, now I'm wrong. Season two premiere happens with they're already on the island because Locke blew the the lid off the hatch. This is yeah. the plane crashing. So this is before um, the whole season two premiere. This right. is the same time this as is, season but, one premiere. But this is also the fourth perspective we get on the plane crash. Fourth? Fourth. We well, have we, get the- we have the premiere, the pilot episode with the Losties. We mm-hmm. have the Tailies and their experience. We have Desmond killing Kelvin and then the hatch almost you know, doing whatever. What did um, it do? Don't worry, <laughs> I can you. do it as many times as you need me to. So uh, that takes the fun out of it. <laughs> and then and then the fourth one is this one, which is uh, we you get kind of the culmination of everything, right? You get um, the the earthquake from what happened in the hatch because it almost fell apart, and then you get the um, the plane crash overhead when everybody comes out after the earthquake to find out what happened, and then you kind of see how Ben 
um, directed everything. So it's kind of cool that it was like it. We've now seen this one, this one instance on the island four separate times. Okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, that thinking about it that way, I can definitely see that. So we, we we're seeing the cause, and then we're seeing three different views of the effect. Okay. It is. I mean, it's basically the same thing you were saying. It's, right. You know, uh, you know, because we saw Desmond, as you mentioned, it was the cause of the crash. And then we saw three different views of the effect, the front end, the tail end. And now from the outside perspective of, you know, these guys all in the in this community on the island. But what I love about like just going back to the beginning of this opening, it's another one of those moments where we're like, OK, this can't possibly be on the island. Because there's ovens, there's book club, these people are nice, we've never met any of these people before, mm-hmm. until lo and behold, it's Pleasantville on the island. <laughs> um, you know, and it's just, it, it leads you, and Ethan, Ethan of all people is the person we see that gives us the first inclination of like, holy shit, that's Ethan. Right. Like, we're on the island. And then we see Ben, and then we see Goodwin, and we're, now we're, we're keyed in to where we're at at this time. Right. So, um, what are some of your other thoughts about the the whole opening? So, I wanted to talk about the book club for a second. Okay. Um, and the book itself, which was Stephen King's Carrie. So, <clears throat> first of all, um, you know, ev- everybody kind of knows the story of Carrie about the bullied high school girl who was a very nice, innocent girl. And then the bullying eventually takes her to the climax of the story, which is prom, where she gets pig's blood thrown on her. And then she turns into a rage filled monster capable of telekinesis. Uh, so I think that that's kind of interesting that we have uh, the telekinesis and rage-filled monster dynamic kind of going on with that story because it, it's kind of like a um, a little inclination that, you know, not everything is what it seems. Just like, you know, Carrie is not everything, not every, not what it seems either, right? It's this yeah. nice girl, but she has all of these horrible dark elements to her, just like this nice little community has a lot of dark elements to it as well. Uh, and then the principal of the school in the in the book, Carrie, do you know what that principal's name is? No, it's been so long since I've seen Carrie. Henry. Or read it. Henry Grail. What? Yep. <laughs> and who is the quote unquote principal of the others? Ben Linus, well, a.k.a. Ben Linus, Henry AKA Gale. Henry Gale. That's, a cl- that's a cool connection. That's cool, right? Uh, because it, it kind of has ties to not only Wizard of Oz, but also Carrie. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I thought so. I thought that was really neat. So, yeah. you know, we have um, we have an episode that's titled A Tale of Two Cities, which is, of course, a Charles Dickens novel. And then we also have the... Um, the book club that it opens up with, with Carrie by Stephen King. So two very classic novels, uh, two very um, uh, classic stories. You know, we're going with the Dickens theme from our mutual friend from the finale into A Tale of Two Cities. And now we have this, uh, just this background information on Carrie, which I thought was um, very interesting. And it also kind of shows 
kind of who Juliet is when she says that it's her favorite book, when you know that her favorite book is a Stephen King book and it has to do with this story. Uh, so there's more to Juliet than probably meets the eye as well in our introduction. Now, we know who she is at this point if mm-hmm. you're rewatching, but that's a really, really solid introduction to a character Uh to open up the third season with a completely new character after two seasons of, of fleshed out set characters that, you know, we don't need extra characters with this story. This story is already really, really good. So uh, the fact that they have this other character that they're bringing into the fold and she is just as fleshed out and just as complicated as the rest of them, it kind of kicks off the season with a really good start. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. She she's a very fleshed out character, as you as you said. Uh, it, but before even before this finale ends, we have a feel for who Juliet is. Uh, there's so much more to her that we're going to learn right. as time goes on. But you're right. We already do have a good feel as to who Juliet Juliet is. We're kind of we don't know completely because every character is a mystery when we first meet them in this series. But we have with Juliet. This is the biggest idea that we have because there are hints there. Yeah. And she's really she's crying. She's upset about something Um, for anybody that doesn't know. Lost made 13 what they called Mobisodes. Have you watched any of them? I haven't, actually. I'm actually really shocked that I haven't. So I've watched about half of them because I'm watching them as like... It, it, Are they on YouTube? This, yeah. And it, it'll, okay. it's like 13 Mobisodes. And click on the one that says in chronological order because they're, it's not in chronological order the way that they're numbered. Uh, okay. But the one that's for this episode is titled The Envelope. And it's, an, it's a deleted scene. Between does it, can can I just say does it have to deal with her sister? Nope. Okay. Um, Spoiler. <laughs> a little bit, but only only in like conversation. So what it is is it's it's called the envelope, and it's right after Juliet burns her hand, and it's what happens after the woman comes into her house, right? And it's a conversation between the two of them. And Juliet, it basically ends with Juliet telling this woman that she doesn't think that they're safe where they are. And she said, if I show you something, you have to promise that you're not going to tell anybody. Please promise me that this goes nowhere. And right as she's pulling out this envelope, the room starts to shake and the earthquake happens. And you're like, what was in the envelope? So, <laughs> Well, but that doesn't fit chronologically then because we see where they're at when the earthquake hits. All, it happens while they're sitting at book club. Maybe that's so, why it was a deleted scene then. Oh, maybe. no, no, no. I'm sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't the earthquake. It was the doorbell ringing. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. It was the doorbell <laughs> ringing and she had to go answer the door because book club was starting. That's what it is. Uh, thank you. Okay. That, thank you. Yeah, because that In threw any me. Case, I'm like, wait a minute. The earthquake happens during book club. Well, in, in any event that the scene ends because they have to put the envelope away. So you never find out what's in the envelope? No. Oh. Well, we haven't yet anyway. Maybe in more of the Mobisodes you might find out. Maybe. I don't know. But they have uh, the adventures. They have the adventures of um, what's his name and Hurley. Shoot. uh, Frog? Frog and Hurley? Something like that. Um, 
anyways, they have it, it's from the Dharma Initiative, I believe. Um, okay. When Hurley was back in time, um, they have oh, they have the very first one is amazing. It's Christian Shepherd and Vincent the dog, it, right before Jack wakes up in the pilot episode. Oh, that's that's kind of cool. Seriously, they're, they're all very, very cool deleted scenes. I highly recommend that you check them out if you haven't yet. But there's one specific to this particular episode. It's called The Envelope. It's under three minutes. I highly recommend it. I'm going to have to check them out. I know what I'm doing as I'm editing this podcast. You're going to watch them all? <laughs> I don't know if I'll watch them all. I might do what you're doing and just watch them in chronological order as we as we go through. You might not be able you might not be able to stop. Did you watch them all? I've watched about half of them. Okay. Well, I guess we'll find out if I can stop or not <laughs> as I start it. <laughs> yeah, let me know if you can. I mean, if you can, I'll be very, very impressed with you. Well, I'm, here's my time to make you impressed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I almost went on in, I almost went on to the next episode today when I was prepping earlier today. I said, I'm going to just watch episode two. And I said, no, no, Kristen, don't do it. <laughs> uh, just one more. That's that's all I really need is just one more. Yeah, right, right. Just just a little <laughs> bit. Just a taste. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a couple other notes about book club, though, if that's all right. Yeah, I'm done. So go. Um, well, w- the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is you mentioned the name of the episode and Tale of Two Cities and the, the, the Charles Dixon uh, Dickens Dixon. connection, Dixon, yeah, <laughs> um, the, the Charles Dixon connection. No, the Charles Dickens connection between the two. But I think just as we've seen before, where titles kind of have a little bit of a reflection to what happens in the episode, I think there's a little bit of that there too. Because a tale of two cities, we've already seen the tales from the survivors. We're now getting the second city in the others. This is technically the second city. Right. This is where all the other people on the island are at. Mm-hmm. So it's the Tale of Two Cities title is also very reflective of that as well. So, um, but I want to go back. There's, there's two points about Book Club I wanted to make. And one of them has to do with the, the Stephen King book that they're reading as well. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but when Ben, at the time, Henry, was locked up in the armory and Locke gave him the... Dostoevsky book, um, Ben actually asked, do you have any Stephen King? <laughs> well, you know why? Well, we, I don't know because my I was going to question that because apparently we find out during book club that Ben doesn't like Stephen King. Uh, but he really likes Juliet. Oh, so you think he was t- using this as an opportunity to potentially read it since he was out of the book club? I think he used Henry Gale as a way to keep a link to Juliet. I think that he wanted to read Stephen King to keep a link to Juliet. I think that he just, he was in love with Juliet and he needed something to help keep him grounded while he was imprisoned. Ooh, that's a good observation. I didn't think about it from that point of view. So that's a, that's a good one. Thank you. I like that. Uh, the, the other thing I thought was really fun, too, and this actually goes back into the whole earthquake that happens during book club. Book club. I find it very interesting that it it right before that earthquake happens, which we know the earthquake is caused by the hatch, mm-hmm. um, the, by the number, by Desmond, the whole 
thing with Desmond and the and bringing in the plane uh, and punching the numbers in late. Um, I she has that argument about the book and about Ben not being a part of it, and you know she's pleased that that he's happy that Ben hates the she's happy that Ben hates the book, and I find it very interesting that the last line she says right before that earthquake happens is here I am thinking that free will actually exists. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know what? We're going to shake. We're literally going to shake up your world right now because you said that the earthquake happens. And as we find out almost everything that's happening, these people being brought to the Island, everything that's happening, that's going to happen from this point on, there's a purpose to everything. Mm-hmm. Free will doesn't exist, at least not on this Island. And perhaps it was, what happened at the hatch has absolutely nothing to do with the plane crash. Oh, so you're looking at it a little differently. No, I mean, maybe because everything is happening for a reason that the plane crash was always going to be there no matter what. Well, see, I took it as in like that incident was destined to happen to bring the plane. Or that both of them just happened at the same time just independently of each other, just by coincidence. Although nothing is a coincidence. So who knows, right? I mean, you could probably go round and round like, you know, Amy Santiago trying to get a permit for a block party. (laughs) I just love that you brought in a Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference. (laughs) That's fantastic. But you know what I'm talking about. If you've seen the show, you Uh know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I absolutely do. Everything can Uh be solved with one hay penny and Hitchcock. (laughs) (laughs) um i have one question for you and this is the last note i have about the opening of the episode uh you know after the earthquake happens and everybody comes rushing out everybody is already looking up do you think they knew something was coming in have you ever experienced an earthquake i have actually so I'm from California, and I've been in many earthquakes, and there is this weird phenomenon that people need to look up after an earthquake. Uh, okay, that's... I, I don't I, know why. I, I was indoors when I experienced it, so I couldn't tell you why I experienced the same phenomenon. Well, so people that have not experienced earthquakes... And you're around people, and and you're around people like me who are very good at earthquakes. They like to go outside and look up. I don't know why, but <laughs> it's 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 a thing. Um, and it's nothing that I really understood until you just inquired about it right now. Okay, I, that's that's an interesting phenomenon. I never really thought much about it. I didn't know if there was something maybe Ben expected the plane to happen, or if this was just the part of that phenomenon. Maybe. I don't know. It could be it could be either or. Um, it could be maybe, and this is a real shot in the dark. Do you think that there's anybody there in, in the community that was there when the old Dharma people were there? I do, actually. And this actually comes into one of my notes a little bit later is if you follow the clues that happen in this episode – Tom Friendly has been there for a while. I don't know if he's one of the original Dharma. I think Ben might be the only original Dharma left. And these are all new people. But And I'll just make this note now. We know that those cages have been abandoned for a while. 
But Tom also knew that it only took the bear two hours to get the fish biscuit. So he was there when the bears were still in the cage. Right. But does he remember Sawyer? I don't think he was there that long. That's what I'm asking. Okay. No, that yeah, I think Ben. That was, was like the seventies. Th- that was what, like, yeah. At that point, I have to do the math, and I'm terrible with math. Less than forty years. Um. Oh well, yeah. At that time, at the time the show was on, because it was 2006. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're at like 2007 at this point. Or did the show debut in 2004? Uh 2004. 2004. So, so it, yeah, let's say it's 2004, right but it's still 2004. Oh, that's in right. Their timeline. In timeline. Yeah. Um, so that's 30, probably 30 years. 30 years. I don't um, know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just I asking. Think, I think if we go as we're watching, I think the entire Dharma initiative is wiped out with the exception of Ben. Because I think Ben's the one that does it. Because Ben's a dick. Hey, that's my favorite character. No, he's a dick. You're not lying. <laughs> um, he is my favorite character, but you're not lying. Uh, it's. And it's weird because if anybody was watching the series for the first time and they hear me say he is one of my favorite characters, you would wonder, you would really wonder why at this point. No, I mean, there's definitely an an intrigue when it comes to him and the actor is phenomenal, you know. So it's not it's not it's not that much of a shot in the dark. I mean, but he is dick. (laughs) <laughs> he is. There's no denying it. He's the it. worst. There's there's no denying it. There's a very big dick move he pulls in this episode. <sighs> which we'll get to in a little bit when we get there. And only but, one of the other characters deserved it. Uh, what do you what do you mean? Well, let's talk about we'll it when talk we get about to that, that point. Later. Yeah, we'll talk we'll talk about that later. Um but I mean in, in regards to your question. Yeah, I don't think anybody from the group that's there right now was is part of the original Dharma Initiative. Um, I, I think everybody came at a later date. But again, you know, the clues are there that Tom Friendly has been there for a while. He's been on that island for a long time. I don't necessarily think it's 30 years, but, you know, there's there's the point where Juliet says, you know, these cages and tanks have, haven't been used in years. But yet Tom knew that when that the bear only took two hours to get the fish biscuit. Mm-hmm. So he was there when the bears were still in those cages. So right. he's been there for a while. So, but let's, let's get away from the whole opening unless you have anything else. Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Um, then what about you? What's something else that you want to talk about? Um, okay. Let's see. We've, we've managed to cover a lot because I wanted to talk about the Mobisode and I wanted to talk about the perspective of the plane crashes. So I feel pretty good about, about where we are right now. All right. Um, no, but um, I do want to talk about the flashbacks a little bit. And do you, after watching this episode, what is your interpretation of Christian Shepard and Sarah? Oh, see, I actually made more of a bigger interpretation of Jack and Sarah than I did Christian and Sarah. I think. Well, let me rephrase the question then. Do you think that that is who that Christian is who Sarah was seeing? No, I don't, because we did see the other guy at the end of the episode. How do we know that that was the other guy and that wasn't and just a right. friend? 
you're right. Uh, we don't. It, it could have been just a friend. It could be the new guy because she never really truly does answer Jack. Right. When he asks, she just walks away. Um, but no, you know, watching this episode twice, I, I, I think the clues were there that it could have been Christian. But by the end, I, part of me wants to believe it wasn't. Um, I do believe what Jack said uh, when he rushed in and followed Christian in the, into the AA meeting, you know, when he's when the AA person said, like, he's been clean for eight months and Jack goes on to the whole tirade of like, oh, why is that? Did you have somebody in your life? I think that was Sarah. I absolutely think that was Sarah because she mentions to Jack that when he called, he was drunk and almost couldn't be understood. So I think Sarah really was a big influence to Christian getting help. Do I think they were sleeping together? No, I, I part of me doesn't believe that. So do you think maybe Christian manipulated Sarah into leaving Jack? Um, there's a possibility that that could be it. Maybe he felt that Sarah was better off without Jack. Um, or maybe he, it was the other way around. Maybe he felt that Jack was better off without Sarah. I don't know what the reasoning behind that would be for him to mani- for him to manipulate that into that aspect. It would be a way of getting back at Jack for ruining Christian's career. Was was his career ruined at that point though? Because he's still in the hospital in a doctor's gown. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't wouldn't it? I would think if he lost his license, he's he's out of the hospital. He's not working. I don't think that happens until later. Because that's one of the reasons why he goes on a drunken stupor and ends up in Sydney. I think the whole losing of his license and Jack calling him out happens later. Hmm. I'd need a timeline on Jack and Christian then because I don't think that Christian would do this to Jack out of nowhere. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. That's that's a good question. And Timeline if he wise, was I, already and if he was already sober, that means that he needed to get sober somehow. So maybe he maybe Jack got him like caught or whatever. Right. Like turn in his dad, which he got fired or let go from the hospital. And then so he went to AA and had to go to rehab and clean up his whole life. And maybe he's back like as a consult or or an administrator or something at the hospital because he wasn't in scrubs he was in a suit no he's wearing a white coat Hmm. there's the one scene where jack is in given uh talking to the one nurse and he looks out in the hallway and he sees his father like laughing on the phone he's in a white coat okay i i need a i need a timeline on those two then yeah because you're right that does get a little confusing see because the way i looked at it is this happened before and then there's something that causes christian to kind of relapse and start drinking again maybe Um, sarah breaks up with him (laughs) that could be it too. because when he went to australia he named anna lucia sarah yeah and that's what i know we brought we've brought this up before the whole possibility of there being a relationship between the two of them and uh, I, I think maybe I could see it as a, in, a, in a different light and then as in like maybe Christian started to fall for Sarah and her not wanting an interest in him caused him to start drinking again. 
leading to him getting caught and losing his license and ending up in Sydney and wanting to Anna Lucia to go by Sarah. There's different ways to look at this, but you're right. We need a clear timeline on when events happen in their lives. I mean, it would be nice. <laughs> Wouldn't it? You would think. I know that the, I know that it exists out there. A lost timeline? I, I just need I, I don't need a lost timeline. I need I need a a timeline for these two characters for the flashbacks because I feel like the a lot of of the story is centered around Jack and Christian Shepherd and kind of the before and the after and the during and everything. Like we get more of them than we do really anybody else in flashbacks. I mean, Christian Shepherd for being a dead character in the current timeline of the show, he has a prominent role in the series. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So I, I don't know. It's, it's getting, I'm actually, I'm looking at Jack's, the, the wiki page, for Jack, the, the Lostopedia page. And uh, let's see, marriage and divorce. Sarah fell in love with Jack. Da, 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 December. He was kissing the patient. Oh, that's right. We still get after his marriage collapse, Jack visits Thailand. So we know that's going to happen. That has kind of already happened. Oh, wait. Oh, hold on. Here we go. Uh, Jack's career and compulsion to fix things later took a toll on the marriage. In December of 2003, Jack kissed a patient's daughter while consoling her after he died on the operating table. Right. Uh, he returned home to Sarah and confessed the kiss to his wife, promising he would change. Sarah told him she had been seeing another man and had already made plans to leave her husband, devastating him. In the months that followed, Jack became obsessed with finding his wife's lover. He stalked her, offered her uh, all the assets for her name and dial the cell phone. This is all the stuff that happens in this episode. Followed Christian to an AA meeting, accused him of sleeping with Sarah and physically attacked him. Christian started drinking. Christian started drinking after 50 days of sobriety and Jack ended up in jail for the attack. Yep. Sarah was called to bail him out. Sarah remained, okay. Uh, Sarah remained Jack's hospital emergency contact for years and had a baby with the other man. Jack never learned the identity. Uh, then he visits Thailand, gets the tattoo, which we'll discuss at a later date. Uh, so that's in 2003. In July of 2004, a nurse observed an intoxicated Christian Shepherd botch a surgery. So he does relapse and go back to drinking after this. So everything that we've seen already with Christian and everything that happens with him and Jack and Jack causing Christian to lose his, his license happens after all of this. Okay. So now we have now we have the timeline. Okay. So yeah, so this wasn't an action to get back at Jack because that hadn't happened yet. Okay. Well, see, even maybe we need Jack to do our wanted to. So now Jack wants to get back at Christian and tanks his career. Although, really, tanking his career and saving uh, possible, you know, needless patients' deaths are two completely different things. So yeah, I think I think Jack is completely justified in what he does. Right, 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 right. Me too. You know that I I don't think there could be vengeance when he does it, but I think there's absolutely yeah he's completely right. In, his, in what he does. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up about this, though, is when I mentioned I kind of got more out of, you know, Jack and Sarah's relationship is when you look back and you remember what brought the two of them together, like this was Jack saving her, not saving her life because she was alive, but saving her way of life in that he fixed her and he was able to 
make her walk again when she was told she was never going to. You know, that that's a kind of connection between two people that's very tough to break. So you have to imagine something ha- like how bad that their relationship have to be for this to end because of that. You know, as strong of a, as a bond. And I think that's one of the reasons why when she says goodbye, Jack, and walks out after bailing him out, she's got tears in her eyes. Because I don't think she's ever going to forget the fact that Jack saved her. Do you remember the night before their wedding that she tried to give him an out? Yeah. I think that she never quite believed that he really loved her because he loved her and only because he fixed her from the very beginning. And maybe you think it was more just that connection and nothing else. I think that she thought that that's what it was, but I think that Jack truly loved her. Okay. I don't know. I can see that. I mean, no, I can, I can see that. So it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's, again, it's one of these things with the series that's left up to interpretation. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there's this is not the first moment we've gotten like that, and it will certainly not be the last. Right, right. Before the series ends. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's again. There's a lot. There was a lot more to break down out of those flashbacks than I thought there initially was, because <laughs> we spent a lot more time in those flashbacks than I thought we would. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. That's why we do it. They're good flashbacks. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they're they're great flashbacks. And uh, you know, what was funny too was when we saw. Um, the opening of the episode and we saw Jack at, at like 7 o'clock in the morning following Sarah. Uh, by the way, Moonlight Serenade playing on the radio, which is also the same song that Hurley and, Des- Hurley and Saeed heard on the radio at the island. Oh. The island. Um, I had initially thought this was the point of, spoiler, The this I thought the flash forwards started, but they don't start until... Next season. And no, they start at the end of this season. Oh, okay. I thought they started this the season finale is a spoiler is a flash forward. Okay. So uh where do we go from here? Where do you want to take us? Nope, your turn. Oh, it's my turn? Yep. Uh let's stay on Jack for a minute, but I want to go to the I know, I was waiting for the do we have to? I don't wanna. Um, But I I wanna switch to the present now because I wanna make a comparison between Jack and Sawyer. <laughs> Not the first time we've ever done that before. <laughs> um, is this the one where Sawyer comes out on top? Because I like that one. I like that it, one. Um, it kind of is, actually. Uh, they all are that way, Ben. <laughs> 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 oh, we're going to get messages. I, <laughs> I love it, though. No, it's, you know, obviously we see Jack and Sawyer. They're in two different places. We see Jack is in this tank uh in some kind of uh, i'm assuming where it I, I don't know if it's underwater or not we don't know where it is but uh in some kind of bunker and we see sawyer in a cage and i find it really odd and a very interesting dynamic that of the two of them sawyer is the one that's trapped in a cage jack is the one acting like he's trapped in a cage when we first ser- first see jack he is acting like a caged animal yeah, he's, he's trying to rip He's pacing. He's trying to rip chains out of the wall. He's aggressive. He, between the two of them, he's, the one in the cage is not the caged animal. Yeah, Jack's feral. 
Yeah, he really is. You know what my favorite my favorite part of the entire episode is? The entire episode is when Jack full strides right into that glass wall. <laughs> yeah. It's never not funny. <laughs> but I mean it's like it's he's like an animal in a zoo at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, he's being watched and he's he knows he can't go anywhere. You're, feral was the right word for that. He's acting like a feral animal. And it's it's kind of funny that later on Juliet domesticates him. Oh. Um you, you know, it's well, and domesticates him in more ways than one it, in in ways that we haven't seen yet because there's a scene that happens in a couple episodes that still sticks out in my day of in my head of him and Tom Friendly playing football. You know, which comes a little bit later. Okay. I forgot about so, it, so I can't yeah. wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it happens later on in season three. It happens a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, I, I just I love that dynamic of the two guys and one is stuck in a cage and the other one is acting like he's stuck in a cage. Well, it's funny that they put Jack down in the aquarium because he is kind of like a shark, right? Um, you know, they've got Sawyer who is you know, kind of like a wild animal, almost like a bear in a bear cage. And then you've got Kate. Kate is just, I don't know. I don't know. You know, Kate is a whole other subject for this episode. Yeah. Is it, is it me or was it kind of creepy Ben giving Kate a dress to wear? Kind of? Really? Okay. Are we going to go with the word kind of here? <laughs> All right. The whole thing made me want to take a shower. <laughs> From beginning to end. And first of all, Kate made an egregious error by even leaving her clothes behind. I'm sorry, but I would have taken my clothes and put them in a corner, a dry corner of the shower. I would have made sure that I did not have to be caught in a towel at any given time. Like she got way too comfortable and way too trusting, like right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you 110% and on that. Like, I would have been the same way. And Ben's like, oh, we burned your clothes. I'm like, dude, I, oh my, oh, I, I would, I don't think she ate anything. What do you think? I don't think she did either because she was starving when she got back to the cage and Sawyer gave her the fish biscuit. Mm-hmm. I don't think she, who would? Like, are you going to be that comfortable to eat like that? You're probably already skeeved out that this, weird looking guy gave you a dress to wear a really like kind of nighty looking dress too it was a sundress no 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 that thing had like shiny material or something like it almost looked like lingerie and that was probably on purpose I, I mean you know ben's reasoning behind it is he wanted her to you know feel like a real person i thought you were you know, talking and, about yourself in third no, person no. for a second <laughs> ben's reasoning behind it <laughs> No. I'm like, what are you Why would doing? I do that? <laughs> it would not do that <laughs> at all. It would make me feel like the creep. I, we're talking about a very creepy moment. So like, like my red flags are all up right now and dinging. <laughs> Radar is on and yeah. trying to keep an ear out for weird things. Stranger danger. Yeah. Um. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, it's just this episode, not only did it give me a great feeling of like a a great indication as a type of character of Juliet, but another character that we really got a lot of clues to the kind of person that they are is Tom Friendly. 
Yes. I mean, you know, we've gotten, we've now, at this point, we've shaken the whole other's look that we thought we had with the ratty tatty clothes and the beards and everything. I don't think we see that again. I think that's gone at this point because it's been revealed. Yeah. So, but, but the whole Tom friendly does not look right without a beard. And, and you know what? It's weird that you say that too, because well, not weird, but it's funny that you say that because every other role I've ever seen MC Ganey in, which is the actor that plays Tom Friendly, mm -hmm. he always has a beard. Yeah, no, he doesn't Even look if right it's scruff. without a beard. He's so yeah. unnervingly clean-shaven. Yeah. Dolphin And this smooth. is the first time I've ever seen him like that. Like, like I said, every other movie I've seen him in, he's got facial hair. So it, it's still kind of throwing me off a little bit, too, being a fan of that actor, seeing him completely clean-shaven. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a very, it's very interesting that we get that you're not my type line. Uh, yeah. Because that comes back into play a little bit later. <laughs> um, and the, the whole, it, it, oh, you got yourself a fish biscuit. I was uh, it so only took proud of Sawyer hours. in that moment. Like I watched, Sawyer was proud of Sawyer. I watched that episode <laughs> twice this week. And each time I was like, woo! <laughs> Sawyer, Sawyer dancing as John Philip Sousa is playing out of the speaker, like cheering that he got a fist, that he just, not even that he got a fish biscuit, that he was able to solve it. I liked it that he was conducting in the air too. Uh -huh. <laughs> I loved every part about that. And then it's like when he got the fish biscuit and all that kibble, you could just see him like, oh. That's what? it. <laughs> but, you know, the real prize was the water, of course. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just I, I, I love that. And I find it funny, too, that even though the hatch is gone, we're still pushing a button. Oh, very nice, Ben. Very nice. <laughs> that was a nice the little hatch catch. Is, yeah, the hatch is gone, but we're still pushing a button of some uh, some sort. So, <laughs> but what about you? I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. What's something else that you want to bring up? Yeah, we I um. Let's see. I hated what happened to Kate. You know, I, have, I just have to say this real quick because it's really, you know, a lot of people think in, in today's climate, um, I'm going to kind of backpedal and then I'm going to come back for a second. But in today's okay. climate, a lot of people, you know, they think, do we need a women's movement? Women are fine. You know, they're, women are just, you know, touchy or they're oversensitive or whatever. But it's not until you see a show like Lost, which was, I mean, really very recently when you look at kind of the grand scheme of things. Um, so this is what, 2006, 2007? I think, yeah, I think we're in a 2000, yeah, I think 2006 at this point. We're September of 2006 at this okay, point. Okay, so it, it's about, let's say, for argument's sake, 12, 12 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Um and to see the way that women were portrayed, even back in the third season of Lost, you know, I just, and, and it was okay. It's okay to show Kate in the shower where she's almost naked. It's okay to put her in a dress and, you know, 
treat her like she's a piece of property. You know, like it it just the whole thing oozes with skeeviness and creepiness and just horribleness, you know. I mean, Kate Kate's been kind of tossed to the side over over the last couple of seasons. She hasn't gotten the same amount of respect that say uh Jack or Sawyer or Saeed has gotten. You know, you have the damsel in distress with with Claire and you have um you had son who was under a very um, uh, oppressive marriage, right? And she's kind of coming out of that. But you kind of see like women starting to like kind of emerge as leaders throughout the timeline of this show more and more. But and I just, I watch episodes like this and I think to myself, you know, it's no surprise to me on how, badly we need to talk about women in cinema and talk about women on film and talk about just women in the workplace period because we wouldn't put you know jack in the shower and put him in you know a pair of swim trunks and go out and say i think that you need to feel like a man and and you need a good clothes shave and here's you know a steak for you and some wine you know we we would never do that we would never yeah. never never do that and and it's just it's like this 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 disconnect that I, I think people are kind of missing and, and and it's kind of brought to light a little bit in episodes like this. Um, you know, we can safely say that nothing happened to Kate um, physically. Ben didn't, you know, abuse her. Uh, she wasn't spied on by Tom Friendly. You know, she was given a shower. She was given a dress and she was given a meal. But the way that it was done was disgusting. The way that it it was done made you want to take a shower. Yeah, I mean, right? and, and and not only, and I don't mean to 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 cut you off or anything too. And I I completely agree with everything you were saying. And I was actually, I was for a minute going to counterpoint that you know, well, we do get like, you know, shots of like Sawyer in the water with the shirts off and everything. But then you really hit the 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 point home with the whole you know, Ben giving her dinner and giving her a dress and I wanted you to feel pretty. That that line in particular is really what strikes the point that you're making home. It's because mm-hmm. you're right. We would never hear that about Sawyer. Like, I want you to look handsome or, you know, you need to look sexier or whatever like that. You're right. It's an mm-hmm. absolutely creepy thing that is done. I understand why it's done, but you're, you're right. And I'll let you, sorry, I'll let you continue your point. No, it's okay. But, you, you know, it also kind of shows what what I like on the positive side of what I really enjoyed about kind of what happened to Kate in this episode is that when she gets to the cage and she looks at Sawyer, something darkens in Sawyer when he sees that she has broken a little bit by whatever has happened before. And it doesn't matter to him that nothing has happened. The, the point is, is that they put her in a dress, they put her in a shower, and then they put her in a cage. So they treated her like an animal. They treated, they they like groomed her and then put her in her kennel, you know, to await further instruction. And you could tell that this is, this is what's going to drive Sawyer now um, of, of whatever, whatever has been going on with Kate. He, he's so moved by it that he gives her his fish biscuit. Mm -hmm. He's like, are you hungry? He hasn't eaten anything. He hasn't eaten a, a, a single thing, just like just like Kate hasn't. But he's going to give her the last morsel of food that he has to make sure that she's okay. That tells me exactly everything I need to know about Sawyer, the character. 
Yeah. And I think it's an interesting dynamic, too, to kind of play off a little bit about like the creepiness with Ben and everything, too. And and also Tom Friendly, there's and this was another thing that I, I was leading into when I said there's there's a good way to indicate the kind of character that he was is, you know, Ben is the one that tells Kate, you know, tighter when it comes to the handcuffs. He wants those handcuffs on tight. He wants her to feel submissive you know, in that moment, like he's giving her this dress, he's giving her this meal, but he still wants her to feel like a prisoner at the same time Mm -hmm. by tightening those cuffs. But then that next moment when she's led to the cage and she's led then, you know, and she's put in the cage and Tom friendly says, you know, like if you turn around, I'll take your cuffs off you. He's the one that sees the pain that she's in and says, you know what? I'll have them bring you some antiseptic. He's more of a caring person. And then, uh, you know, than Ben is, obviously. And that's something that's going to play into effect a lot when it comes to the characters of these others and who they are. So there's an, a deleted scene from this episode, and it's Kate trying to escape handcuffed, which I guess is was supposed to explain why she had why, all those marks. Why she had all of the marks on her wrists. Okay. So I, I and and I don't know what the scene is. I don't know who has to, you know, bring her back. I don't know. I, I don't know anything other than there was a deleted scene that explains why she had the marks that she did on her wrists. And I think it would have been okay to to put that scene there. I, I don't think that it's necessary to let an audience mind wander on what happened to Kate in a dress on the beach with Ben. I don't think that that's really necessary for the story. Yeah, I agree with you. So, I mean, so, it, it might have well, just I, been... I'm tired of the damsel in distress well, uh, trope, well, too. I, mean, I, I just think Kate is a character that is fine on her own, and she's proved it, especially in the finale when she she knew when they were being followed. She did something about it. She's good with a gun. She's good at tracking. She's has she has exceptional leadership uh, potential that she has displayed. And then they put her in a fucking dress. Yeah. We talked about that last week about how like a step up that her characters went up and you're right. It's kind of like one step forward, two steps back. Yes. With, with what happened to her in this episode. Now, I mean, it was really annoying. I mean, luckily we are going to see Kate step up again. I mean, especially she, she's really going to become a much stronger character. Not, not to say she's not already, uh, she already is a very strong character, and we've seen glimpses of that already. But we're going to see more of that later on, um, you know, especially into next season when we see, you know, her off the island and what she goes through, you know, with raising Aaron. And so I'm going way into spoiler territory, but right. Well, we warned him. We're we're definitely going to see much stronger Kate later. So yes. Absolutely, and and that's what and and that's what I really like about this show too is that is that they keep they they have the women who were already leaders in their own right. They really have them emerge as equals as the men, not leaders above the men, but equals. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that's really important to talk about. You know, when you have uh, Son and her journey, and Kate and her journey, even Claire and what she goes through, all of these really strong women who were at once in these oppressive, who start off the show in in an oppressive state, whether it's by pregnancy, uh, by imprisonment, or by marriage. And by the end of this show, they're all, whether they're alive or dead, they are all leaders and equals um, of their own volition. And I think that that 
was very beautifully done by by the writers of this show, if nothing else. Yeah, and I think even I think even Shannon is a good example of that too, because she was somebody who was introduced to us as a spoiled, rotten little brat. Uh, mm-hmm. And by the end of it, like you know, by the by the end of her time, she's not shown as like a strong leadership type, but she's definitely shaken the stigma of what we were introduced to her as. You know, she's a yeah. character that we've we've come. Well, she stood up for herself. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. In in shooting Ethan. So I mean. But she well that and she she told Saeed she goes I don't care that you think that I'm crazy I saw Walt. And I'm going to go after him because nobody else will do it. Now, that's not somebody that she was when she got on that island. Yeah. Uh, she expected everybody to do everything for her. And by the end, she was doing things for herself. And I think, um, I, think I was wrong. I think Charlie shoots Ethan, doesn't he? It wasn't Shannon. Oh, yeah, many times. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I was wrong about that. So before anybody messages us that, no, Charlie was the one. Yeah, I remember. Charlie was the one that shot Ethan. Sorry. Um, no, Shannon is the one that almost shoots Locke. Attempts to shoot. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. That was a good moment. <laughs> For Shannon, I'm sure. <laughs> that feels like ages ago. It does. It really does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um so I I kind of just have notes on one more moment of this episode and then uh, which I'll go into and then if you have anything else, uh you can kind of wrap us up. But I want to go into the Juliet and Jack of it all. Um, okay. Because, you know, I, we mentioned a little bit about it already, about how Jack is kind of like a, a, a feral animal in that cage. And, you know, Juliet is kind of the one that breaks him a little bit and kind of domesticates him. And I, I find it very interesting. There's a lot of reflective dynamic between the two of them, because as Juliet is talking to Jack to kind of calm him down, you know, Jack is not being truthful at all. Like she's like, "Oh, what? What was your profession? Oh, I was a repo man. Like I, you know, I went in and I and I took things back." Knowing by the end of the episode that the whole time Juliet knew who he was, like, and she just let him go along with whatever tales he wanted to tell. And you know, I, I find it very interesting too that by the you know we kind of get a reflective of that a little bit later on when Jack asks her, are you a doctor after she's telling him about, you're going to be dehydrated. You're going to want to eat, you know, she says, no, I'm a repo woman. Well, guess what? She's a doctor. Right. That's why she said, yeah, that's exactly the reason why she said it. I, I don't know if Jack believes that yet or not, but that's something we're going to learn later is like Jack's answer to, are you a doctor was I'm a repo man. Her her answer to that was, I'm a repo woman. In other words, I, yes. Yeah, I, I did like it when he goes, I'm a people person. <laughs> no, you're not. Because <laughs> it couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> well, I mean, but I find it very interesting, too. And, and you can kind of see that that first moment when Jack is starting to break is he's telling all these lies to Juliet and there's something that she says, and I can't remember what it is that I think kind of makes him click a little bit because the next question is when your plane crashed. Oh no, that's what it was. It was that line. When your plane crashed, where were you flying from? That's the first truth that Jack actually gives her. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I'm wondering if maybe if he's either starting to break or did he maybe cause kind of, did something click in him as in like, I don't know why I'm lying. They already know. 
I don't think he already knew the extent of what they knew, but you know, I, I don't know. I, it's just that that's that first moment of Jack breaking because why would he stop lying now? And mm-hmm. he, and he continues to tell the truth. Like I was picking up my father because he died. Like I was bringing him back. He's not lying anymore at this point. Like I th- mm-hmm. he's, he's just done. He's broke. You know, I got to think, I got to say, it would be really, really unnerving for to crash on an island, have to survive, find a hatch, get taken, and then you get captured. And the person that's talking to you has a like three to four inch file on you. This is your life. With your father's autopsy report. I mean, this is like, I, it is just kind of, I would just be so rattled by that. Yeah. Like, why do you have that? Why? Well, I think, you know, and and going on that further note, too, and this is the last thing I actually wanted to talk about. It's, you know, leading up to everything of Jack breaking. He is he is breaking at this point. He Juliet is starting to break him. But the moment that he is finally broken, completely broken, like he's done, is the is she happy? And it really reflects on and and. I wonder how you see this because I can kind of see this in one of two ways. Is he because, you know, you see we see him break down and kind of sink his head, his sink his head down and then go back into the corner like he's he's backed into a corner. He's become a domesticated animal. But did he do that? Because one, he's really genuinely relieved to know that he is that she is happy, that Sarah is happy. Or is he kind of now just kind of broken as in like oh my God, she's happy without me. Like, I just need to give up. Because I think it could be taken either way. Hmm. I'm curious how you look at that. I think that it just uh, shows us that he is as obsessive now as he was then. Okay. I mean, he's still... After everything that, you know, she has just said, this is your life. This is who you are. This is the file. This is, you know, blah, 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 blah. He just has one question. That's about Sarah. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's like this singular focus that he has. Now, you know, when he went back to L.A. with Christian's body, I wonder if he was ever going to find any peace or happiness Um in consideration of Sarah, probably not. I mean, his life wasn't going to get any better going to LA. So then what it is now on the Island. I don't know. Yeah. I, he, he is obsessive though. Oh, he's I mean, ex- that is true. He's extremely obsessive and it's, he's kind of been that way the entire time we've known him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This show really highlights it. Absolutely. Or this episode. Yes. I'm sorry, this episode. I knew it. I really knew highlights it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. This show. Yeah, Lost really highlights Jack Shepard's obsessiveness. Okay, Kristen. <laughs> I haven't even started drinking yet. We're going to get <laughs> emails. Mainly from Des, but we're going to get emails. I know. Well. No, it's all right. I, know, I get a meant. lot of stuff. I get a lot of stuff wrong, but I'm human, so. Yeah, that's all right. I'm going to get stuff wrong. <laughs> what happens when we're a person uh <laughs> um yeah i mean i i really covered everything in my notes with the exception of the whole ben is a dick moment 
uh, with with Juliet, but that can be dived into a little bit further. But I I want to turn it back over to you. I've talked enough. <laughs> no, I mean you know we just get yeah we 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 get the true measure of Ben in this episode. Um, first of all, we learn his name, yes. which is great, yes, right? We, we finally yeah. know he's Ben. Um, we also learn that he's the leader. We learn that he's got some kind of complicated relationship with Juliet. And we learn that he doesn't care about Juliet's life ultimately, or he knew that they, you know, they both ultimately weren't going to die. I mean, you know, I, I don't see how he could have left Juliet there with the way that he, that the way that we learn how he feels about her. Do you think that he, do you think he doesn't care about her life or do you think that was part of the plan to help Juliet gain Jack's trust? Oh, maybe. Because I can see it like that, but then she goes around, she goes ahead and decks him and knocks him out afterwards. I, I mean, I can I can kind of see that like that's the happen, but you know, she did technically kind of save him. So I'm thinking maybe that was part of the plan because we do get that moment at the end of the episode when, you know, he says to Juliet, well done. So maybe it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a good cop, bad cop kind of thing. Perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I just think that... I don't know. I You know, Ben, Ben is a weird character, man. Um... I do think that we get a lot of different levels of Ben Linus in this one episode. And there's so many more levels to go. Right. But I mean, this is where he actually, we are introduced to the character in this episode. He has been playing a part, Henry Gale. Um, you know, we kind of see a little bit of it in the finale of kind of who he is with the deal that he made with Michael and taking everybody back and, um, you know, uh, on on the docks during the finale. But it's not until this episode that we get a true introduction to Ben Linus, the character. Well, and I think this is kind of going back to what I mentioned last week, too, you know, about how I think the writers realized they wanted to bring him back and they used the finale to do it. They didn't really have a reason to flush out his character yet because they had just realized they wanted to bring him back. So now's the first opportunity they have to really bring this character to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and man, do they do it. Yeah, they do a really good job. I agree. It's a, it, it, he's a fantastic actor, and it's a very interesting character. Um, you know, you really, you really do hate him by the end of this episode. A lot. Yeah. With his treatment of Kate, his disregard for Juliet. Um, yeah, it's, it's all... I don't know. It's it's a great introduction. So it is. Yeah, I, I I don't have anything else though. I've covered everything in my notes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing I can mention too is you know when it comes to wonderful camera shots, the the shot of Sawyer being thrown back into the cage. Um, if you know anything about filmmaking and cinematography, uh, that's a cool shot because uh, Josh Holloway had a rig attached to him when he did that, so that the camera would follow his fall. Which, oh, I love that. Yeah, I just think that's a that's a great shot and I love it's sort of similar to how the camera was attached to the tail end of the plane as Echo and Locke were pushing the plane. Those kind of mm-hmm. camera shots that follow the action rather than just shoot it. I love shots like that. So that shot of Sawyer being thrown back in the cage and the camera kind of following him down to the ground. 
again, if you know how that's done with a rig being attached to Josh Holloway, like I just, I love how shots like that turn out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's all Agreed. I have too. Okay, well, I guess with that, we are going to go over to our feedback. Um, Do we have any voicemails this week? We do. We have a voicemail from our buddy Steve, as always. Awesome. Well, um, do you want to play that, or do you want to do our email? Which one do you want to do Do you want to tell people how they can leave us feedback first? Yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm so used to doing that after feedback. Well, we can do it after. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine. You're okay. you're the leader this time, so you no, do what you, you are. Do. <laughs> Before we get into feedback, Ben would like me to tell you because you know Ben Henry Grail oh, over there. Man. Would, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get messages. Would uh, like me to tell you about how you can leave us feedback. <laughs> you're horrible. <laughs> I know I am. Please read your lines. Oh, sorry. Uh, first off, we are on feedback at, well, God damn it. <laughs> we are on Facebook at Facebook. You deserved that. I know, karma. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. We are on Instagram, we hope, uh, <laughs> at lost revisited pod. We're having some problems with Instagram right yeah. now. <laughs> uh, you can email us at, fe- no, lost revisited pod at gmail.com. And if you would like to leave us a message, you can record it yourself and you can send it to our email address, which we will get because Instagram keeps giving us new passwords attempts. <laughs> yeah, we're getting <laughs> so those the emails. Email, the email's working just fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we've gone off the rails. That's okay. That's all right. I'm going to start with the email that we have here from Des. Okay. From Des Combs. Damn it. I just woke up and realized I am probably too late, but here I go anyway. This is probably one of my favorites, as I've said before, because of one reason. We finally get to see Juliet. No fucks given Burke. (laughs) She doesn't take shit from anyone, and she can give the stink eye even better than Michonne. Plus, Carrie is one of my favorite books, too. The story of Jack and Christian Shepard. This is why I actually like Jack as a character. He is flawed as hell. He is completely obsessive, but he is well-written most of the time. I'd completely forgotten and that he was the catalyst for Christian falling back off the wagon. He isn't responsible for his father's sobriety, but he takes the guilt for it pretty much until the last episode of the show. These two are a lot... Are like a lot of men and can't tell each other that they love them and cannot bring themselves to apologize. Sawyer's almost as smart as a polar bear. Score! <laughs> and it's like, I, I had my note written for that as, are you smarter than a polar bear? So. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. That, I mean, it's interesting that it's just, I find it funny that there's a whole puzzle just to get a fish biscuit. And I don't know. There was a lot of fun to that. But, I mean, it's interesting that this is why Des kind of likes Jack as a character. You know, he's flawed as hell and he's completely obsessive. You're not starting off strong with those two things there, Des. Boo. As to reasons why you like Jack. But, again, I mean, we're not saying we hate Jack. He's just the worst. He likes his super cool tattoos. (laughs) Which, yeah, we're going to find out about later. Very soon. I think it's this this season, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, In a couple of episodes. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. that'll be a fun one too. 
Super Paul, duper. A, not Pocket. I can't remember the that Thai. It's Thailand. I just don't. I don't remember the name of the uh, the city that he's in. Oh well. Uh, Bangkok's got him now. <laughs> shall we play uh, the voicemail from Steve? Yes, sir. All right. Here is our voicemail from our buddy Steve Brown. You don't think I'm really going to answer that, do you? Absolutely love Mr. Friendly's uh, line there to Kate in the shower, and especially when he says, you're not my type. And, uh, you know, we know, we don't know yet in the series, but we know what that means. And uh, so I just absolutely love this episode. Uh, I'm Ben and Kristen. It's Steve. This is for uh, Tale of Two Kitties Cities. Um, (laughs) That was the Garfield movie. (laughs) Anyway, um, this is for Lost uh, Season 3. Episode one, uh, Tale of Two Cities, and uh, absolutely love the disheveled and kind of out of control Jack. We've not seen that really in the series here, so we get to see what he was like after his marriage kind of dissolved. And uh, loved Ben's a little tighter, please lines, uh, a line about the handcuffs to Kate. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of Fell in love a little bit with Juliet, with Elizabeth Mitchell in this uh, this episode. Uh, that opening scene with her is just great. And even when she just looks out of sorts, but you can tell it just, I don't know, just uh, she just got me in this episode. And uh, love the one punch. She hits Jack with one punch and knocks him out in the, in the water there. And uh, love Sawyer in this episode, the Chachi reference uh, from <laughs> Happy Days, and uh, him saying, uh, you know, good job, good job, Doc Brown, uh, when he was able to get the fish biscuit, and you know his reply to Mister Friendly about how many polar bears were there um, was really, really great. And uh, I loved th- this episode so much changed for us in the series with this episode because we see. The others, we see their community. We see that they have technology. They have access to information, and uh, it really took us in a total new direction uh, for the series uh, with this episode. Can't hear it. Wait to hear what you guys thought. Talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. I love Steve. It's always great when you get we get voicemails from him. Like I'm always excited every time I get the email and I see that it's from Steve. Yeah, he was so good with the Game of Thrones rewatch. He was just amazing. Um, He'd be fun to have on as a guest host one week if he was ever into doing something like that. Um, Something tells me he might do it, but I'm I'm sure he's listening right now. So, Steve, if you're ever interested in coming on uh, and being a guest host, uh, it'll be a weird week not having feedback from you, but we'll get the whole episode. So uh, hit us up and let us know. So it would be fun. I think that goes for everybody too. I think that would go for anyone because if I, I think I, I'm open to bringing on hosts, and I think I don't remember who it is, but weren't we planning on bringing someone on for Trisha Tanaka is dead? Uh yes. Which is we this were. season? Yes, it is. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure that out relatively. I think we got a couple weeks. Uh, Trisha Tanaka is dead. I I don't think is. Uh, Till episode 10. So we still got plenty of ways to go. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, outside of that, we've got one more piece of feedback. Uh, and it comes from our, our friend Gemma. Gemma Hall. Cool. Uh, and it's a piece of Facebook feedback. And I'll read that to you. 
Uh, OMG, I love this one. When you're alone and life is making, lo- making you lonely, you can always go to the other's village. <laughs> uh, Juliet always rema- remains a complex character for me. I really don't think she's completely loyal to our group until much later, and Ben is no longer an influence on her. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I love seeing the plane crash from the other's perspective. They all seem surprised by it, but no one was like, oh my God, a plane just fell out of the sky. They just jumped straight into action. I think the book Juliet is reading at the book club is Carrie. That's right. Uh, We finally get Ben's name revealed, and I refer to Jack in these episodes as Mad Jack as he's absolutely raging. Uh, His his complexion is beetroot. But I do feel sorry for him when he asks if Sarah is happy because he messed that up. And Kate says to Ben, where is Sawyer and Jack? Which, of course, Ben picks up on. I'm a huge Kate and Sawyer shipper, so this season blew my mind for that. Up yours, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much I could say, but I'd go on and on. So, But thank you, Gemma, for just chiming in with that, because that's already a lot. I love Gemma's feedback, too. She She's very insightful, and um, I love it when you leave a message to Gemma, because your voice is just wonderful, and it's sweet like honey. So anytime you want to leave a message, <laughs> even if your kids are screaming in the background, it's totally fine. I get it. I, uh, I fully support what Kristen just said. <laughs> Completely agree. Especially when uh, Steve guest hosts, because we'll need a voicemail. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Des used to leave us voicemails too, but th- we used to have a lot of issues with, I guess, whatever voice recorder he was using. Yeah, the, the format. So now he goes back to, to emails. But, you know, I mean, again, we get voicemails from Steve and, and met feedback from Des and Gemma all the time. We'd love to hear from some new people. So feel free yes. to send us some feedback. Any feedback. You can even just, you know, say, Jack is the worst. <laughs> we'll play it. We'll absolutely play it. I think that'd be <laughs> If you fun. want to close out all of your voicemails that way, I'd be okay with that too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, but can our- be our tagline. That's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> we have to go back. Lost Revisited. Jack, Jack is, is the, the worst. worst. <laughs> um, take us home, fearless leader. Yeah, man. Um, okay, so that'll just about do it for this week on We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited. Jack is the worst. <laughs> uh, next week, next week we have episode two, season three. What is the name of the episode? The Glass Ballerina. The Glass Ballerina. And I believe it's a gin and sun flashback, you if I'm cor- not mistaken. You are correct. Yes, that was off the top of my head, too. Booyah. <laughs> um so definitely, if you want to send us in a feedback, we told you how to do that earlier. Please do that. We love hearing from you guys. Um, you know, check us out on Instagram. I promise we're going to try and get it working this week because I'm a big fan of Instagram. I like, I prefer it over other social media. I'm no longer on Facebook for anybody who may be trying to get a hold of me on Facebook. Sadly, you cannot. Uh, but Ben has the helm when it comes to our Facebook page. So Indeed. thank you very much. Um, and we will see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
We have to go back! 